So we move into hour number two. My thanks to Brian Hoyer, who I thought had really good insight, of course, on Kyle Shanahan and the Patriots. Speaking of the Patriots, Diana Russini on the X, quote, during the hiring process in Washington, Bill Belichick was considered for the job, per sources. The commander spoke with him, and he had support from some decision makers. In the end, Dan Quinn is their choice. So Belichick beaten out by Dan Quinn. Belichick beaten out in the ATL by Raheem Morris. Belichick beaten out by everybody for every gig. Man, I can't imagine what that guy must be thinking right about now. He should be thinking, if you're getting ready for work right now, your name is not the goat. Your name is not the hood. Then you're probably on Snapface. You're probably trying to figure out how to work Snapface. An instant talk. Completely shut out. The goat. Like I said at the time, remember when the process started when he and Bob Kraft separated amicably. There was this whole notion of, all right, the Atlanta Falcons get the first crack. How funny is that? Like, they're going to interview the GOAT. Sure they're not. The GOAT will interview them. So he ends up on Arthur Blank's yacht, does not leave with the job, and you're like, wow, that's interesting. I guess maybe he didn't interview them. Maybe they interviewed him. Then he needs a second interview? The GOAT. Bill Belichick, a second interview, and then he doesn't get that job, and then doesn't get any job? Really interesting. Hey, Jim, wow, great interview with Hoyer the Destroyer. Forget about Bacon 46 being the lead Fox analyst next year. This guy would do great in that role. Ian in the Natty. You know what's interesting about that? First of all, yes, Brian Hoyer would be an excellent analyst, obviously. But what's interesting about that? They already have an analyst in that spot who's doing an amazing job, Greg Olson. So now you've got Tom Brady. This is why I said, what do you think Brady's going to do? You have a guy in Olson that people love, and he's really, really good at what he does. He's a great analyst. He's a legitimate number one. He's great. However, Fox had already committed to Tom Brady, and not just committed to him, but committed to him for $375 million over 10 years. That is insane money for an analyst. 37 and a half per. So what do you do? I mean, Olsen could be the best analyst ever. He's damn good. He is really good and really well-respected. But you already have a contract with Tom Brady. Now, remember, we're in this spot because Brady wanted a year off. Brady didn't want to start right away for whatever reason. So you would think this is kind of an absurd thing to say because he's the GOAT. But he's got some pretty tough shoes to fill. He's going to step in behind a guy that is universally praised. So what do we get from Brady? Is Brady going to show up? That's why I asked the question. Is he going to show up and let it rip? And show us a side of him that we have never seen before. Because if, in fact, this guy is the best prepared, most knowledgeable football player ever, it should show itself. Now, granted, in that spot, it's difficult. It's different. There's a real 
discipline to being a great analyst. You got to get in, you got to get out, you got to make your point. You don't want to talk over the viewers, but you don't want to talk down to them either. And you want to be prepared. And you know he will be. And then, and then where does that leave Greg Olson? What does he do? You know, he doesn't want to take a back seat. He's already been number one. He wants to be number one. He wants the big games. So where does that go? I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see. Hey, Jim, we want to congratulate Mike McDonald on his new job in Seattle. Signed, Kenny Loggins, Carly Simon, Christopher Cross, Jerry Raftery, and Garrett Ritt. We we did this yesterday. Freaking ridiculous, right? Sometimes... I'll reset something because I know that not all of you listen every single day. We don't need to reset that. We did that yesterday. Romy, I thought that Travis Kelsey's reaction to Justin Tucker was pretty reasonable and measured. Signed, my teenagers when the internet goes out. Jason, Louisville. Do they? Do they drop F-bombs and D-bombs? All right, so I've got the beef segment coming up, bottom of the hour. Start dialing right now. Get on hold with your beef. Hit me up on the X with a beef. Also, email me your beef, Rome, R-O-M-E at habitate.com. All right, so let's talk about the Jets for a minute because it's been a minute since we checked in with the preseason's most fascinating team. S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Way to go, James. I know that's a tough word to spell. J E T J E T. Give me a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. Yes, it's not hard to spell. Anyway, they were the most intriguing, most interesting team in the league in the preseason. And that lasted for all of four snaps. But I'll give the Jets this much. Not only could they pull off going from being legitimately exciting and interesting right back to being the Jets in just four plays. They did that. That's not easy to do, but the Jets did that. But if you thought that they were an absolute bleep show last year, you're not wrong, but apparently it was so much worse than we could have possibly known. At least that's the sense you get after reading Diana Russini and Zach Rosenblatt's takedown of them in The Athletic yesterday, because damn, that was rough. That was rough. Rough on everybody. Nobody looks good. In fact, everybody looks bad. I mean, they got to be so pissed. They have to be so pissed about that story over at One Jets Drive right about now. I mean, I'm not even saying that the piece is not fair. I'm not saying that the piece is not accurate. In fact, nothing in that piece that I saw surprises me at all. It's all pretty incredible. It all seems, thank you, Albie, the almonds. It all seems like it's factual, and it all seems believable. So when I say I bet they're pissed, it's not because it's inaccurate, but because it's out there. And why do I think they're pissed? Because if you look at that story, look at the head coach. Look at the way he's perceived. They're talking about how bent. The head coach gets over negativity in the media, which is not great for the Jets head coach because negativity in the media is literally baked into being the head coach of the New York Jets. That's part of the job. That's part of what you sign up for. The one thing the head coach of the New York Jets cannot have 
is the one thing that Robert Sala apparently does have. Rabbit ears. This is a direct quote from the piece. Behind closed doors, the vibes weren't always positive, especially when Sala would see negative press reports. He would often bring up how, in his mind, the Giants don't get as much negative coverage as the Jets calling it unfair. End of quote. I mean, if that in and of itself is not a gigantic red flag wrapped in a slow-mo Carl Lewis, I don't know what is. That's not good. That's below not good. It's not fair. How come they're not picking on the Giants like they are us? That's so uncool. Hey, look. uh, I don't care what job you have in the NFL. That comes with every one of those jobs in the NFL. But especially that job. The one thing you cannot have happen. You cannot let the back pages get you all bent out of shape. You cannot be comparing media coverage of your team to media coverage of the alleged Tiffany organization. I mean, that is a terrible look and a terrible sign to send your staff, right? Because that's mentally weak. This guy's supposed to be the toughest guy physically and the toughest guy mentally, and he's out here getting hooked and reading media coverage, and complaining about how unfair it is. And believe me, that was far from the only red flag in that story. This report was essentially a long string of red flags, all tied together into a long rope that can be used to strangle any hope that the Jets fans might have for next season. For instance, anything having to do with Nate can't hack it was really bad who somehow survived to coordinate another season, even though last season was a total disaster for the Jets' offense. Come to find out, it was even worse than it looked on the field, which is hard to believe because on the field, it looked heinous. It looked horrible. Here were all of the issues with Nate Can't Hackett that were listed in the story. Give me a minute. One, the scheme was too catered to Aaron. So once Aaron went down, the guy had no response. Two, Aaron constantly overruled Hackett in camp. Three, Hackett showed no urgency in preseason to fix the offensive line issues. Four, he also didn't really make the team grind practice tape from camp like most teams do. Five, he could not adjust the offense after Aaron went down. Six, He procrastinated with game plans and waited until the last minute to finalize the game plan. And seven, he struggled to make in-game adjustments. Struggling. All those things mentioned. And I'm sure there were more. I lost count. Everybody looked really bad in that piece, but can't hack it, probably looked the worst. Not that Robert receipts came off very well either. Because then there's this whole saga with Coog Hunter. Remember the Coog Hunter not wanting to take the ball after he got benched? And we all went in on him. Remember that? Then all the leaks came out. And according to this article, those leaks really, really aggravated Robert receipts. It showed, it showed Robert rabbit ears. It showed how paranoid this guy is. So, Robert Rabbit Ears, 
quote, held a meeting with his staff two days later where he asked the leaker to reveal himself, according to multiple people in attendance. Quote, if you come forward now, you won't get in trouble, he told them while threatening to take their cell phones. Staffers were bemused by Sawa's obsession with the Wilson story and his reaction to it. End of quote. I'll tell you what. I'm bemused by his obsession with it. Who wouldn't be? I'm bemused by both his obsession and his attempted solution. He seriously threatened to take their phones. Grown-ass men. I'll take your phones. I'll take your phone so fast I'll make your head spin. Hey, hey, if you come forward right now, you won't get in trouble. Dude, are you an NFL head coach or a middle school math teacher? That's like some crap that Pervin Liar would come up with. It's Alabama every week. I'll take your phones, and if you come forward right now, you will not get in trouble. Everybody, close your eyes. Tight. And I want the rat to raise his hand. Or I'll rip all your phones. That one rat is going to ruin it for everybody. How much respect do you think they lost for him when he was acting like that? His piece was so bad for Bob Sala and can't hack it that it actually made the Coog Hunter look pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to make that dude's life hell in practice every day. <laughs> According to the piece, Bob told Coog he was basically done as a Jet after week 12 and that they were going to move him in the offseason. This is why Coog was not all that thrilled to come back and try to save the team two weeks later. He was told, we're done with you. We're done with you. You're not going to play. We're going to move you. And then they come back and say, "Hey, hey, by the way, we need you. And on top of that, the last thing he wanted to do was play behind that jacked-up offensive line that can't hack it, couldn't fix. He was afraid of getting hurt. And in the end, he was right. He did get hurt. He got concussed. So it's still hilarious that this dude did not want the ball, considering he had nothing to save himself for. He needed to go out there to try to save his career. He had to, right? Which is ultimately what he did. But it's a lot more understandable now why he pushed back. We all thought he was just being a punk ass and not doing the right thing and being super selfish and doing it in the interest of self-preservation. You know, part of that's true. But what we didn't know was they told him, you're done, man. You are done. You're not playing again. We're going to move you. You're done. Hey, 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 we need you to go play. Essentially, the team is a bleep show. And they were every bit the bleep show behind the scenes that they were on the field. If anything, they were even more of a mess behind the scenes than they were on the field. A bleeping mess, as one Jets coach was quoted as saying. There's one anonymous, well, they're all anonymous, but there's one Jets coach in this piece that said, it's just such an effing mess. Something has to change. The problem is, nothing did change. Bob is still the head coach. Joe Douglas is still the assistant GM. Er, the GM. Another great quote in that piece. Thanks, Joe. There was a quote in that piece 
from another AFC general manager who said, Rodgers isn't the assistant GM. Joe Douglas is the assistant GM. That one cracked me up. So Bob is still the HC. Douglas is still the GM. And 40-year-old Aaron is still plan A at QB. Something has to change. I definitely agree. But instead, the Jets are like, run it back. Run it back. But run it back with a 40-year-old quarterback coming off a shredded Achilles. With all the same people around him. I mean, Aaron should make a difference. But if you thought he was a savior before 39, now you're counting on him to be a savior at 40, coming off that injury with all that dysfunction. You know, this piece makes it sound like they handed over the keys to the kingdom and the franchise to Aaron, but then Aaron was done four plays in. And there was no plan B. There was no function for the organization. Certainly no leadership, according to this piece. So how different could next year really be if they're not making changes? So I'm not surprised by anything I saw in that piece. I am entertained by everything I saw in that piece. But believe me, you know, it'll fade, but it won't be forgotten. They got to be so pissed. If they were pissed about bad media coverage, how pissed do you think they are over that media coverage? If you thought Robert Rabbit Ears had rabbit ears prior to this piece dropping, could you imagine how much bigger and longer and sensitive those rabbit ears must be right now? Taking receipts. This dude's got to be taking receipts. Oh, dude, you just got a whole, but you got a warehouse full of receipts now. And press clippings. Man, that is bad. If you come forward now, Nobody gets in trouble. Come forward now or I'll take your phones. Who leaked that stuff about Zach? I'll find the rat. I'll find the rat if it's the last thing I do. Dude, you're the coach of the Jets. You can't be rabbit-eared in any of those 32 spots, but especially that spot. Man, no wonder they were such a disaster. What are your thoughts? Does any of this surprise you at all? And now what? 1-800-636-8686. I've got the beef segment coming up at the bottom of the hour. Get in with a beef. Call. Hit me up on the X or email it to me. Rick Barnes. Haven't checked in with him in a while, but he's got Tennessee in a great spot. They've got a big game coming up against Kentucky this weekend. Rick Barnes, top of hour number three. Also, episode 299 of the Jim Rohn Podcast is out. It's live. Look for that later on today. RG3 showed up in a big way yesterday. Quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Why don't we start with the fact that they provide for an amazing segment once a week, the beef segment. Then chase that with the fact that it's a family-run business. A family-run business which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you choose Old Trapper. You can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender. It's never tough because they use just the best ingredients. 
from their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top-quality spices, to their real wood-fired smoke. Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite. And it comes in four mouth-watering flavors. They're all awesome. If you're not sure which one you want, start off with a four-ounce bag. Try all four. If you know which one you want, load it up with the 18-ounce bag. If you don't see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Beef segment is the next segment. I want to make sure I leave enough time for it. Dial in with the beef right now. You can beef about anything you want, and there is no beef segment next week. We are in Vegas for our Super Bowl coverage. There is no beef segment. This is going to be your last beef segment for a little while. So hit me right now. In the meantime, let's go to the phones. We go to Oregon, John. Good to have you, John. How are you? Good. How you doing, Romy? You know, everything went pretty great last night when uh, Dane came back to Portland and Doc Rivers brought him in there, and they cheered his 71-point game. They showed on the Jumbotron, and they showed him knocking out the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets with those three-pointers in the playoffs. But then right before the game started, Doc got his team in this big ring-around-the-rosy thing, and they started dancing around, and all those fans in that smoke-that-good motor center started booing him. And then at the end of the game, Portland ended up 119-116. Way to go, Doc. You're on two now as a coach. Maybe you ought to take up celebrity golf like, like Larry Fitzgerald and Charles Barkley. But find a new coach. Or you like Barkley, you'll still be waiting 20 years to break 100. I'm out. Yeah, there were questions about Doc. When they hired him, I had questions about Doc. Doc's won a lot of regular season games. Doc won a championship with Boston. And Doc has lost a lot of game sevens. Doc has blown a lot of 3-1 series leads. Doc has blown a lot of 3-2 series leads. You know, it was kind of weird about Dame last night. Did you see the quote afterwards? You know, obviously it's an emotional night. He's back where he was. He probably is up in his feelings a little bit. But here's what Dame said. Quote, How I feel about the organization here and my time that I spent here in my mind, I've always felt like that's how my career would end. Right now, I'm just in a space of like, this is where I am now. I'm in Milwaukee. I wanted the opportunity to contend, and our team has an opportunity to contend for this year and years to come, and I'm just living in that. But definitely, when I was traded... I see a day where I'll be in a trailblazer uniform again before I'm done. End of quote. I think that's odd. I think that's weird. I mean, Dame wanted out. Dame wanted to go someplace else where he could contend. Nobody would ever blame him for that. Dame gave Portland absolutely everything he had. And it wasn't enough. And he wanted out. So it's kind of odd to me that he's saying, I see a day where I'll be in a trailblazer uniform again before I'm done. It's an, it's an odd thing to say. It's an odd time to say it. And it sounds like he has not moved on. That he's not in the best headspace. Almost like regret. Like, 
yes, I said it. Yes, I want to contend. Yes, we are contending. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'll be back there again, and I'll end my career there. I see myself, I see a day where I'll be in a trailblazer uniform again before I'm done. Even blazer fans like, why? My man, in fact, I would ask why. I mean, you were there. You were there a really long time. And if that's the way you feel, why did you leave? Because you're having regrets? And if I'm a, and and he said it on a night where they lost. If I'm a buck, I'm wondering where his head's at. If I'm a buck, I'm wondering a bit about Dame. You know, if you want to say I have so many memories and so many relationships and I built so much in the community, this will always be home. I get it. I get it. But I can see myself ending my career in a Trailblazer uniform while you're in the midst of a team that went all in, all in, all in by acquiring you, all in by firing a coach after 42 games, all in. They're all in. If you're saying things like that, that would not suggest all in. That would at least suggest confusion. It's just odd, especially coming from somebody like that. Hey, you tell me, Bucks fan, what do you think? Hey, Blazer fan, you tell me, what do you think? I'm sure it was an emotional night. You can't even say that. You can't even own that. But I see myself ending my career in a Trailblazer uniform. Hey, not only that, quote, when I was traded, I see a day where I'll be in a Trailblazer uniform again before I'm done. Wait, so you're going to go out, get your ring, and then come back? Again, why? My man, you spent a lot of days in that uniform. So he never actually moved on. In fact, the plan, if you read that for what it is, when I was traded, I see a day where I'll be in a trailblazer uniform again before I'm done. That makes it sound like the plan was never to move on. Just go out and get mine. Get my ring. Fine. I get that. (laughs) You want players to want rings. But I always knew I'd come back. You did? That's odd. That's odd to me. Chris in Milwaukee, dear Jets coaching staff, I'm going to turn around for two minutes. And when I turn back around, there better be a pile of phones on that table. If not, everybody in this room is grounded and I'll be calling your parents. Regards, Robert Sala. Romy, if you come forward now, you won't get in trouble. Yeah, not falling for that one. Regards me when my high school gym teacher found a joint on the bathroom floor. (laughs) Yeah, not falling for that one. All right, when we come back, what's beef? Call with a beef. Head on over to the X with a beef. Email me your beef. Rick Barnes, top of the hour. Right now, here is a sport... Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio.
Let's do this. Clones, not all beef jerky is the same. You know this. Old trappers, old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy and peppered. All come in four-ounce bags. That way you can sample the different flavors to find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper. What is your beef? Let's go to the phones. And if you're new to it, you can beef about anything you want, sports or non-sports. Just no JN beef, no toilet beef. That's it. No bathroom beef. Anything else, fair game. Let's go to Houston. Daniel. Daniel, what's your beef? Rome, thanks so much for the lion. My beef is with sorry Dan Campbell, apologist Lions fan, man. As a diehard fan, that dude absolutely gutted us, and the only way it happened was going for that first fourth down. Forget all the dumb plays he made. Going for that first fourth down, you go up three scores, we're going to make it. That's so, the kicker was freaking perfect through the playoffs. Everyone talks about all these ridiculous stats. Now we get on social media, and these idiots are like, if you're going to be negative, just go away. Ah. My no. man, nothing wrong with the beef other than the length. Not a very good call. State your beef. Get out. Get in, get out. If you want to make a phone call later on in the program, make a phone call. The beef segment is more rapid fire. It's more quick hitting, or at least it's supposed to be. That's why you got run. Not for anything you said, but for how long it took you to say it. Let's go to Salt Lake. Brian, in Salt Lake, good to have you. Brian, what is your beef? Romy, thanks, man. My beef is with sobriety. I haven't had a drink in seven years, and in that time, I've never been able to get off on the jungle I used to day drink, call. I talk about pool towel for two and a half minutes. Now I just usually hang up before I get on the air. War Alvy getting a cameo charging 25 bucks a pop. My man, you made the right choice. Better to be sober and congrats. Congrats on seven years of sobriety. I know that when you were not sober, you had more fun with the show. And you were able to participate with the show. But there are more important things than the show. Namely, I don't know, your sobriety. Congratulations. Why don't we weigh this thing out? Making an ass of yourself in the jungle, being sober. Being an ass in the jungle, being sober. Dude, you're doing the right thing. That's, that, that is not something you should have a beef with. Let's go to, I mean, and congrats. Well done. Let's go to Akron. Mark, good to have you. Mark, what's your beef? Hey, Jimbo. My beef is with the overuse and misuse of the term walk-off. When Dennis Eckersley coined the phrase, it meant just there's nothing else to do but walk off the field. If an outfielder is making a play on a batted ball, that's not a walk-off. And now it's bled over into football. Walk-off field goal, walk-off touchdown. You're Jimmy Romo, Mon, the horn, the bold pontificator has been born. You're the most loved. You're the most hated. In my house, you're the most celebrated. Every day we're all in the room so we can tune in the sports and buffoon. Real sports fans all gather around because we all dig what Romy lays down. Hey, Jimbo, your voice is so blind. The ladies all love you for your body and my mind. Bates here, your voice on the TV show. They know it's time to get ready, set, go. Some guys are jealous of your style in class. That's why some end up on their ass. But I didn't call to give you no crap. I just called to preach my gullible rap. Come on. Yo, man, walk off on that. Mark and Akron. 1-800-636-8686. That's no beef. That was nothing but love. All right, let's go to Tommy. Here's the, here's the thing. Like I said, 
the beef is supposed to be, by format, a rapid-fire segment. I want to get to as many as I can. And I said at the top of the show, we're not doing the beef segment at the top of the hour, meaning there's less real estate, there's less runway. Get in, get out. That guy could have done that song, and I appreciate the song, bro, thanks. But you could have done that song any other segment during the week. Why did you drop that in the beef segment? It's supposed to be a rapid-fire segment. And the fact that I have to keep stopping and explaining it makes it even less rapid-fire. Tommy, in Detroit. Tommy, what's your beef? Yes, bro, my beef is with Lions fans who are blaming Dan Campbell for that loss. It's not his fault that we couldn't change the game. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call. What happened there, Alvin? Phone quality. What good is a beef if you are swallowing your phone? Matt in Alaska has done this before. I trust that he could get us back on path. Matt in Alaska, my dude, what is your beef? Jimmy, what's going on, my man? You know, I'm not really one to complain too much about the weather, but today I got a beef with myself. Ten years ago, I made a decision to move to Alaska, and today I woke up at negative 37 degrees. That's 89 degrees difference from where you're at in Southern California. You know, life's about choices. Sometimes you got to own the bad ones. That's all I got, Jimmy. I'm out. Good. Nice job. Thank you very much. Back on path. Matt in Alaska, 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Vince in the ATX. Vince, good to have you. What's your beef? Romy, que pasas in your Rome from the ATX. Listen, this horn down has got to go. Lifetime Texas Longhorn fan here. We don't care. The fact that you do it when you're not even playing Texas, the horn down, we, means we live rent-free in your feeble minds. Out of here. Hook them. Aggies love sheep. <laughs> All right, Vince. Nice job. one 636 8686. You like it or you don't. You feel disrespected or you like it because you're living in their brains, in their domes, rent free. Which one is it? Let's keep moving. Let's go to Oregon. Robert in Oregon. Robert, good to have you with your beef. Oh, man, Rome. Thanks for taking my call. Look, I, I go into these drive throughs, you know, like a barista drive through or whatever, McDonald's, and I, they say, Can I take your order? I say, Yeah. And they say, perfect. And I wonder what's so perfect about saying yes. Then I say, I want a medium. And they go, oh, perfect. What's this new word they're using? Perfect. Everything's perfect. I think it's awesome. Thanks. Oh, no. Actually, you think it's perfect. I don't know. I, I've never experienced that same thing. Is perfect a new thing? Is perfect slang for, I don't know. I've never heard that. This is weird. Is that a Gen Z thing? Perfect. Can I take your order? Yes. Perfect. I would like to supersize that. Perfect. I would like a nitro. Perfect. I'll tell you what's not perfect. This segment. Let's try Eric in the South Side. Eric, what is your beef? My beef is with Chuck freaking McDowell. You know, that timeshare guy that's always on the radio going, 
You don't know how much they're going to cost and when it's going to end. I've been waiting for weeks and weeks to see if this ad is ever going to end, and they don't. You know what, Charles? I have a timeshare in Kanapali, and the experiences and memories created with those I love and love me the most are priceless. In fact, Chucky, I have two timeshares. That's true for me. Yeah, that's a Jim. That's a jungle Tourette's trigger right there, Jim. So anyway, you know what that is, Eric? That's a jungle Tourette's trigger right there. Not a very good call. When I've had enough of you or anybody else, I run you, jungle Tourette's. Sorry, dude. I'm glad that you're happy with your timeshare. I really am. I'm glad that your timeshare is working out for you. My man Chuck McDowell, though, can give you 30,000 other examples of people that are trapped or think they're trapped and are pissed, and it's a cash cow or a cash pit, I should say, and they want out, and they have nowhere to turn, and they find Chuck. So, dude, good for you. That's good. I'm sure you love that thing right now. I'm sure you've had amazing memories in Kanapali. Good. Congrats. Wait till you try to get rid of it, my dude. Then Chuck will be the first guy you have on speed dial. Wesley Financial Group. Remember them. Toll free. They have a timeshare exit kit for free. You'll be needing them at some point. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Texas. Chris, good to have you. What's your beef? Yeah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. My beef is with that geriatric jabroni Jerry Jones. Speaking as a Cowboys fan, I'm sick of his everyday off-the-wall idiocy. I'm out. Thanks. Good job, man. That's all it takes. That's all it needs to be. That's a beef. I'm sick of geriatric Jera and his everyday off-the-wall idiocy. I'm out. Geriatric jabroni Jera, actually. It's not that hard. Well done. Let's go to Sacktown. Ryan in Sacktown. <laughs> Ryan, what's your beef? Jim, man, this thing, let's get it back on track, everybody. Jim, my beef is with every Delta Bravo that drops the line, quote unquote, don't worry, I'm clean. War, Mark in Hollywood being the jockey of your new horse. I'm out. How rich is it that Ryan in Sacktown is the one who's going to get it back on track? Oh, oh, Ryan, you're the last guy that I would expect to get this thing back on track. And you didn't, of course. Let's go to Pismo Beach. Joe, good to have you. What's your beef? Actually, it's Jeff, but that's okay. No, it's not. Not for you, it's not. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. There's a rule. Even if you're right. You're still wrong if you correct the host. Not my rule. I know you think I'm a D-bag for that. It's Alvin's rule. Alvin and I have talked about it. I've tried to talk him out of it. I've tried to change the rule. Alvin will not relent. Alvin will not change the rule. If we get your name wrong and we're wrong and you correct me, you will get run. I know. It makes no sense. 
It's just a rule. Thanks, Joe. See, you're Joe. You're not Josh. So if, for instance, your name is Josh, and we think your name is Joe, and I say, hey, Joe, what's your beef? Roll with it, unless you want to get run. Don't correct the host. Alvin's rule. Let's go to Charleston. Eddie, good to have you. Eddie, what's your beef? I have me wrong. My problem is with, I heard Jim Nance say it on the football production Saturday night, with people that call the outside ground the floor. That's it, Jim. I've had enough of it. Bye. Okay. I like that. I mean, that, that, that's a guy with a beef. Uh, he's like, the floor is inside. The ground is outside. Your lawn is not the floor, his take. The floor and ground. The carpet is the floor, not the ground. The ground is outside. I've had enough of it. Out. The ceiling is the roof the and the floor is the, is the ground. What an odd beef segment. Quickly, Jordan in Arkansas. Jordan, what's your beef? Hey, Jim. My beef is with that whiny little bitch in Texas that says he can't handle the horns down. Well, guess what? When you come into the SEC next year, all you're going to get is horns down. War, Emus, and the boys dominating you every year you come and play at Bud Walton and when we come and play in your trash-ass stadium. And uh, War, uh, Chuck McDowell, learning how to say client instead of client. I'm out. Y'all can get off of my man Chuck anytime you want. He's providing a service. There are many people stuck in timeshares. It's keeping them up at night. They want out. Chuck is trying to help you. Why won't you let him? When we return, there is your beef segment. I told you it was not going to be as long. Rick Barnes, the head basketball coach of Tennessee, is going to join me next. Also, RG3 is Ep29 of the Jim Rome Podcast. Look for that after the program. 